0: Entrepreneur on Fire, Episode 126. Welcome to
1: Entrepreneuronfire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John
0: Dumas. Fire Nation, you asked for it, and I created it. My first free ebook. 10 Incredible Insights from 10 Incredible Entrepreneurs, is published, all four pages of it. Simply go to eofire.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You will get immediate access to the top business insights from the likes of Barbara Corcoran, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, and seven other incredible guests. Prepare to ignite. Okay, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Brian Carter. Brian, are you prepared to ignite? Yeah! All right, enthusiasm. (laughs) Brian delivers entertaining, motivational talks on internet marketing and social media to corporations and associations, CEOs, business owners, and expert marketers. He is author of The Like Economy, LinkedIn for Business, and co-author of Facebook Marketing 3rd Edition. Brian has 12 years' experience with Google, Twitter, and Facebook marketing as a consultant and marketing agency director. He was recently interviewed on Bloomberg TV about Facebook's mobile ads. Wow. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Brian, but take a second, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, where you're from, and then tell us a little bit about your business.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm from Ohio originally, and then I escaped. I was from Dayton, Ohio, and, and I would go to Columbus because it was more exciting. So I think anytime you say that Columbus is more exciting than somewhere, it's not that exciting. <laughs> um, I think Dayton was pretty hot back in like the 1890s, but uh, not so much when I lived there. So I moved to San Diego. You know, the long story short, I went from being an acupuncturist to back to Internet marketing, back to the nerdiness of my childhood Um and you know i've done a few different jobs uh directing part of an agency that did uh search and social media um and then eventually went solo and and did some training and wrote some books and got into where i really wanted to be which is um which is being a paid speaker um and yeah that's pretty much where i'm at now that and consulting
0: love it full circle good stuff and We'll use that to transition now into our first topic, which is our success quote. Because Entrepreneur Fire, we really have to get the motivational ball rolling and get Fire Nation pumped up for the content that you have for us today, Brian. So what's your success quote?
1: Um, yeah, an atypical one. It's uh, one day at a time.
0: Give us an example of how you actually apply that to your mentality or your life or how you have in the past.
1: Well, you know, like, I, so, so I think ever since I was young, I wanted to do something big um and and I've always wanted to achieve big things but those things take time. Uh and and also as time goes on in your life what you want changes. You know, sometimes you'll get something and realize, "Oh, well this isn't what I wanted." Um so you can only really do all this stuff one day at a time. You really only have today. Uh and I feel like I only have today because like in that strengths finder world, um now discover your strengths, one of my top 5 strengths was achiever which is great because I'm always achieving stuff, but it's bad because every day I feel like I'm starting from zero. So I just concentrate on making every day productive and healthy and then eventually relaxing near the end.
0: Great mentality. And that just kind of goes along with it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And we really need to focus on the long-term goals and just doing one step at a time. It will get us there eventually and just don't get burnt out. So many people get burnt out.
1: Yeah, you got to be balanced. I mean, if you try to get somewhere that you—it's going to take you a year to get. And you try to do it in like three weeks, you're clearly going to hurt yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> calm down.
0: <laughs> calm down, buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's use that to transition to our next topic because I don't know if this has actually happened to you in the past, specifically about getting burnt out. But as an entrepreneur, we've all faced it, and that's failure. Those are obstacles. Those are challenges that we need to overcome, and. We don't let failure define us as entrepreneurs, but it's definitely a part of the journey. So, Brian, take us back to a point in your journey where you failed or that you faced a huge obstacle that you've just had to work around and how you reacted to that.
1: Well, my biggest one has been um, social phobia and um, social anxiety and that's really I mean a lot of people they they hear that they've seen me speak or they've seen me recently or they see me do stand-up comedy and they are they don't believe it but um, I grew up extremely uh, shy and, and so you know the fact that I wanted when I was I always wanted to be the person on stage um, so I don't know if there's a bigger one than shyness maybe stuttering or something would be the other thing that you'd have to overcome that would be huge for that kind of goal
0: so, Brian, can you just take us down to the ground level because this is about your journey as an entrepreneur in a time where you've actually felt or faced a challenge in regards to that phobia that you had and how you overcame it?
1: Well, I, I mean, I you know, I don't think I have one really huge failure, like um, you know, that was in the newspaper or something. But I mean, there were a lot of times where uh, I just was not able to, like like in the beginning, um, I remember in high school, a girl would walk up to me and be like, hey, Brian, how you doing? And I couldn't even really answer the question because I had so many thoughts in response and I didn't know what to say. Uh, and then I couldn't even talk to, you know, so this perpetuated social isolation for me. Um, and then when I eventually, when I tried to overcome it, I got into Toastmasters and I would see myself like, I, I would see video of it and I experienced this difficulty with um, being able to be myself in public, you know, it's like I, f- I still to some degree feel like my real self is only there when I'm alone. Um, so I've had to translate all of uh, what's good about me into, you know, ways to talk to people about it, ways to socialize with it, speeches, jokes, and things like that.
0: Do you have a specific example of when you might have actually broken through a barrier? Like you really felt like you crested a hill.
1: Yeah, there was. I did a Toastmasters speech. Um, I don't remember which assignment it was, but one of the first ten that you do. I um, I <laughs> I was so uncomfortable with the idea of being enthusiastic with people. Um, like for some reason, I could only convey my my negativity to people, and I would because I was always judging myself. So I did this speech where I was I, I talked about being the enthusiastator. Um, and I, and I had like this E on my shirt, but it was underneath another shirt. So I like at one point during this speech, just like ripped it off, you know, and I was just doing all these crazy cheer, like cheerleader type things during the speech. Um, and that's the first time I'd really ever, um, you know, expressed that my, my enthusiasm publicly.
0: I mean, the thing that people have to realize, and I think that you must've at some point is that you were in good company. I, I think that like public speaking is the number one phobia that's out there. Like second is death or something. I mean, it's literally something that everybody has and is born with for whatever
1: reason. Right. There's a, a friend of mine has a joke. It's like you, most people would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. Um, but somehow, I always it's like I had this um, conflict between thinking that there's greatness inside me, but not really being able to realize it or, or show anybody that. Um, you know, I, I just I felt like throughout high school, I never was the smartest. I wasn't the best performer. I wasn't the coolest. I wasn't the biggest loser. I wasn't the big, you know, I wasn't anything. I was mediocre. And I hated that. So um I just saw, you know, I read a lot of books, some of the typical ones most people have read, like uh, Win Friends and Influence People and all those other types of standard uh, self-development books. Um, and it's speaking is always a huge part of what these people would talk about. So, you know, that's partly why I went there.
0: Wow. Very good insight. So, Brian, let's use that to transition now to the other end of the spectrum. You were very generous and open and honest with a failure or challenge that you have just encountered multiple times throughout your life and, and the lessons you learned from that. Let's move over to the aha moment because as entrepreneurs, we're also blessed with these little aha moments that we get every single day that kind of inspire us and move us forward and open our eyes into new directions. Have you had at some point in your journey, a huge light bulb that came on that really just changed how you looked at what you were going to do with your life, with your business?
1: Mm. I mean, I, I wish. I wish. I it's always just like w- little ahas for me, like uh, day after day or month after month. Um, I mean, I, eventually I recognized this pattern that um, I, I kept wanting to be famous at whatever I was doing, which it actually is kind of stupid by, you know, when you think about it. But like I, when I started playing guitar when I was 16, I wanted to be a rock star. And when I got into acupuncture, I wanted to be the next Deepak Chopra or Andrew Weil. Um, but eventually I realized, like, I looked back and I was like, okay, wait, I was in two bands and I probably paid, played three live shows ever. So I wasn't really doing what I needed to do to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Um, and, and when I realized I wanted to be, when I goes in the health thing, that's what led me to go to Toastmasters I'm like I need to get some training and, and, and change. Um, so I, you know, I think that's one of the aha moments was eventually after doing acupuncture for a while, I realized this wasn't for me. I cared more about like creating more reliable systems for getting results with health than I did about the particular patient I was seeing right then. And that didn't work very well, you know. Um, and then when I went to Toastmasters, I saw how really like how bad I was at, at speaking and performance. And it took me a long time to to get better at it. Um, so, I mean, you know, I don't I don't think there was just one.
0: And that's very common. I get so many different answers to this question because for some people, it's little aha moments to build up to a big understanding. For some people, it's literally that light bulb just goes off and it just changes the course of their business or their career. And for some people, they're still waiting for that aha moment. (laughs) Right. You sound like you're probably a combination of, of two of those right there, which is totally fine and it's exciting. You're a young guy and you're still doing a lot of things and you're active. So that's cool. But the real question is... Have you had an I've made it moment yet?
1: I think I've had a lot of them, but like the next day after that, I'm always like, what's next? You know, I mean, I don't, I I think when we look at other people, we think they have made it wherever they are. I think it's very different. Sometimes I look at my own bio on my website and I'm like, who is that guy? I mean, I know he's accomplished those things um, and that they're true, but I don't always feel like that person, you know? Um, and And so I think, to me, that's, that's another thing I learned about when you compare yourself to other people, if you compare your, how you feel inside when you're feeling the worst to how other people look at their best, um, it really can hold you back. I mean, one thing I've learned is that everybody, everybody puts their pants on the same way. Um, uh, well, most people don't try to jump into both legs. <laughs> I'm sure there are some people, most people don't. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know if there's ever—I I don't know if you can can make it. I don't know if we're built to have made it somewhere and then stay there. Life is always changing. So whatever it is that you've achieved, um, I don't know that it's going to be enough to carry you five years from now. You know, whatever you did to get you where you're at is not going to get you where you want to go next. And if you stop, uh, I think life with life. Tends towards entropy, which is chaos, right? So it's like a downwards escalator. If you stop moving, you're going down. So I don't, I don't personally believe that you can make it. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I have one goal that if I achieve it, I'm going to be like, okay, that's it, I'm done.
0: No, and I love this question too. And I love your answer because there's just such a variety of ways that entrepreneurs look at this question. And there's such a variety of ways that they answer this question. Some entrepreneurs say, no, I'll never have an I've made a moment. That's just not part of my mentality. I'll never make it. And others say, yeah, I have a great I've made a moment every single day. And to me, I think there's kind of somewhere in the middle is a good answer where you need to really be appreciating these moments that you're achieving, these goals you're setting for yourself and you know setting goals further once you've reached that to keep yourself moving forward. But at the same time, don't forget that life is about the journey. Like you said, it's that escalator that's moving. And if you're not enjoying the journey and continuing to move throughout that journey, then you're probably just going to end up somewhere south of where you want to be down that escalator.
1: Right. Yeah. And one other thing I want to throw in is that like the fact is that most of us also have like, I will never make it moments, you know, Um, because if you think there that anybody that there's anybody out there who doesn't have self-doubt right there, the only people that don't have self-doubt are probably sociopaths or or narcissists. (laughs) And that's not healthy. So um, all of us have down times. Like I've seen people um, who we didn't really even think had a problem, um, you know, disappear and try to kill themselves. So I I think it's important that people also share, um, that they often have discouragement, you know? Um, and you have to battle against that. I love that book. Um, the, well, okay, I'm going to talk about that later. (laughs) I put that later on one of your questions. I'm not going to jump ahead. We will
0: definitely get there. And just to kind of clarify the note that you were talking about that I can't agree with more is there's a few things that we're born with. We're born with a fear of heights. It just makes sense for us to innately be afraid of heights because heights are dangerous, especially when you're young and you really don't know any better. So we're innately afraid of that. And we are innately ingrained with self-doubt because, again, that forces us not to take things for granted and be on the lookout for that saber-toothed tiger that might be around the bend. We're never just gonna rest on our laurels. That self-doubt is always lurking And we can't look at it as a negative always, but we have to embrace it and use it to propel us forward.
1: Yeah, completely agree.
0: So Brian, you're doing so many cool things right now on a lot of different levels. I mean, your bio, you're right. If I had that as my bio, I'd look at that and be like, wow, is that the same person who I thought woke up this morning? I don't know. But (laughs) What is one thing that's just really exciting you about your business or what you're doing right
1: now? okay. So one place I did really want to make it to was getting paid to speak. Um, and that's not easy. There's, there's, uh, there are books out there about how to do that. Um, that I certainly read, um, speak and grow rich, right. Which is a play on that other Think and grow rich book. Um, and those may be outdated by now, but, but it it took me years. Like I think I did my first, um, obviously I did Toastmasters. That was like 12 years ago. And then, um when i started blogging in internet marketing eventually that led to doing speaking at conferences um where you know i didn't i didn't my business had to pay for the travel and everything and i didn't get paid and making that next leap to where you're where people are actually willing to pay you to come and speak and also pay your expenses um that seemed like a big hurdle and and i mean i started working with a guy who's been doing that for more than a decade and i started Working with him like 2009, and it really took until 2011. Took like two years before I was paid for any speech at all. And I think I I got one. It was like February 2011, and then there were four or five that came near the end of 2011. Um, And then there and then there was a period in 2012, this year, where I wasn't getting any, and I was like, man, I thought I was there, you know, and and I maybe I'm maybe those are just a, a. uh, then maybe they'll never happen again. Um, but then some did. So, you know, it's just I think you're, I, one thing I took to heart, and I think it was like Alan Weiss who wrote some books on this, is that if you continue to build, in a way you're building your bio, which is building your platform. You're trying to add all these things to who you are, what you've done, what value you have to give to other people. Um, and then, of course, your ability to, to speak if that's what you want to be paid for, right? Um, so whatever it is you do, you have to get better at it. Um, so I, I, think having any of those at this point, like I, I've never, I haven't had trouble since like for like eight years getting consulting gigs, but speaking, paid speaking gigs was harder. Um, and so that's what I'm still working on. And then it was the weirdest thing. Like last week when I was going to speak in New York and I live in South Carolina, um, and nobody knew I was going to speak in New York to private gig. And I get this email from a producer at Bloomberg TV that they wanted to interview me that the day I'm going to be there, which is the weirdest coincidence. Um, And of course I said, yes. And they had to, they had to like send a car. They had to pay like 120 bucks each way to drive me an hour from where I was staying to actually was New Jersey to New York. Um, And then I was only on TV for like four minutes. So it's it's such a crazy, (laughs) crazy business. Um, and I had to get up at like three in the morning and do this. And it was a very long long day. Um, but both of those things are extremely exciting. Some of that stuff. I, You know what? You, you mentioned something earlier that made me think about. Like I think some of us have trouble when we get to a certain level um, where like we, we actually, whether we realize it or not, have a, a ceiling on our comfort level with success and happiness. And you get to a point where you're like, whoa, this is weird. Like. You can actually um, unconsciously self-destruct at a certain point if you achieve more than you are really you you think you deserve or whatever. So it gets kind of weird. And that's one of the problems that I think people have with success that no one knows about when they get there because people don't really talk about it.
0: Such a good point. And there's a book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker, that just really delves into that and about how people really do self-destruct. And he goes into for instance, lottery winners and what they do when they suddenly come across money that they don't really feel like they've earned. And the same thing for entrepreneurs sometimes when all of a sudden we've created something that just we're in the right place at the right time and boom, we're big and we're getting all this money thrown at us and we self-destruct. And it's a common, common trait. And it's so good to be able to actually identify that and take steps to avoid it and grow. So I'm glad you have, Brian. And I do have a follow-up question, and I don't know how comfortable exactly you are and how much you want to divulge, but I do just have a lot of people in the audience, listeners of Fire Nation, who are looking to get into speaking. And once they do take that leap, and obviously it's a long and arduous road, but if they are ever fortunate to get in the situation that you are now where you can actually command a fee to speak— Do you have now a fee schedule and are you willing to share exactly what that is and what you expect to speak at any given conference? Yeah,
1: I do. I mean, you know what, the reality that most people won't tell you is that what you actually get paid varies quite a bit because every event and every meeting or whatever has a different budget. Um, And they may have, you know, you may be the keynote or you may be um, a breakout session Um, they may have slotted a specific amount of money for, for you. So you have a a fee, which, um, if you work with, uh, speaking agencies, they want to know what that fee is and that's what they try to get. Um, but in reality you do, you negotiate, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, my, my keynote is, is 6,000. Um, but you know, it goes, it's, it's gone a lot lower than that at times, um, Uh, and that's just something, I mean, again, I don't know if every speaker is going to admit to you that they sometimes, you know, they go out and do something for travel and expenses plus a thousand or 2000, you know, um, or there are some speakers that are not getting paid and aren't telling you. So, um, I mean, what I've, what, what I've heard kind of insider stuff is that there are a lot of people, a lot of speakers who just aren't doing quite as well as they would like you to believe, um, you know, obviously I'm a big believer in transparency. I just don't think that, um, you know, putting up false fronts, um, is ultimately helps everyone. It it only helps the person that's lying. Um, so that's that. I mean, you know, some people charge more like ten, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, 15,000, 20,000, but, um, you know, it's really t- difficult to come back down. If you're a fifteen thousand dollars speaker and you have to come back down, it looks bad. It looks like you failed, right? Um, and that can that can cause you problems. Um, so some people raise their fees too quickly, uh, and it and it and it's taken me. I think I'm still trying to gauge what the market will bear. I mean, my topic is social media, and um, there are still events where they don't have enough budget for it or they're willing to take a speaker who is you know, not very good or not very educated or hasn't written a book or hasn't worked with more than one client um, who will just say some of the typical things about social media because they don't have a budget for it. So it's still a developing topic, but there are a lot of um, topics out there that have been out there for a long time, like sales, for example, that um, there's a lot of money out there for, but there's also a lot of competition for for speaking in that in that niche
0: so brian what's your vision for the future
1: we'll all be happy and get along um (laughs) i love that vision i want to be there Um, (laughs) well i'm trying to merge business and comedy which is very difficult to do because there are some people out there who think if you make jokes you're not really serious or you can't be serious um but I, I, in fact, I think probably my thing is I'm so serious that I try to balance it out with humor. Um, so, you know, that helps because sometimes I get in consulting calls, phone calls or whatever, where I can use a sense of humor um, or, you know, I add uh, humor to a speech to, to differentiate myself. Um, but I, I still I, I don't think I could do pure. I have thought about trying to go off and be a pure comedian, and I'm not sure I could do that. I, I really I feel a a personal burden to, to give value that's useful, like useful, insightful stuff beyond just jokes, you know, just like the hour of laughter or whatever. Um, then that's just my personal need or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I may move towards writing books that are more, you know, a lot of the bestseller type books are more conceptual. I've written how-to books, um, but I do really well with those. So I'm still trying to figure out if that's just where I should be, you know?
0: Awesome stuff. Well, Fire Nation will keep tabs on you because it's quite a uh, quite a journey thus far, Brian. We'll move into my favorite part of the show now, which is the lightning rounds. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you get to come back with amazing and mind blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: The first thing that held me back was was fear. Um, that if I took a risk, I'd become homeless, um, and not be able to get another job. But I I think that the number one thing that I was more afraid of being doomed to work for the man, uh, his way and him getting most of the profits.
0: What is the best business advice that you ever received?
1: Um, I think it's, it's actually from writing. It's consider your audience, um, so no matter what you write or speak, you have to think about who those people are and what they need and what they're open to, what they're not. Um, and certainly that that filters into when I use comedy and when I don't. Um, and, and I think in a, in a biz- from a business standpoint, pe- people need to interact with a, a persona initially. Like you don't really get to just be you, but you know sometimes not every part of you needs to be. <laughs> you know, on display for everybody. So
0: love it. What's something that's working for you or your business right now?
1: I I think the biggest shift forward I've had is writing books. Um, even though I was reluctant to do it, I thought it was stupid that people thought so much of authors. Um, but now I know it's actually a lot of work and not every author completes their book and so on. Um, I also think that, um, although you can self publish and that's great, um, that also means if you self-publish, there may, no, may not be any quality control on it. You may not have the resources of a publisher. So uh, generally speaking, still the best books come from the publishing world. Um, so I think that's a, that's a really good thing people should move towards.
0: Great insight. And on that note, what is your favorite business book?
1: The one that's helped me the most recently is The War of Art by um, Stephen Pressfield, which is not just for artists. It's, I think it also fits entrepreneurs very well. I can't remember, he may talk about that in there too. But um, there are a lot of internal uh, obstacles people have to overcome to both create art or achieve uh, in entrepreneurship.
0: So Brian, this is the last question. It's my favorite, but just take your time because it's kind of a tricky one, digest it, then come back at Fire Nation with an amazing answer.
1: <laughs> no pressure.
0: If you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, this world is identical to earth in every way, but you knew nobody. You still have all the experience and all the knowledge you currently have, but only $500 in your pocket, a computer with internet access, and your food and shelter is taken care of. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: I would go on Facebook and post funny cat pictures. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you get a lot of likes. <laughs> that's right. Um well, it's not a survival situation. It sounds like the main thing I'm missing there is um, is friends and associates. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would get on social media because I found that, you know, it was a great thing place for me with social anxiety. But if you combine, you know, the like online networking with in-person networking is super powerful and accelerates that, that process. Um, and when I look back at um, the last 10 years, probably... Apart from writing, I think these two are tied. The most important thing I've done in the last 10 years has been networking and meeting new people. Actionable
0: advice, easy to do for any startup entrepreneur. And you've given us actionable advice this entire interview, Brian, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Don't take any wooden niggles um (laughs) (laughs) you are a comedian i guess (laughs) yes i'm i'm very funny to 12 year olds um (laughs) and uh what was the last a plug oh just check out uh brian carter or um find me on facebook uh it's facebook.com slash brian.carter.man and it's just man is weird but it's because brian carter was taken
0: well, Brian, all of this will be linked up in the show notes, entrepreneuronfire.com slash 75, so people can go there, go to all of your links, your Facebook page, your, home, your own site. Your book will be on there, as well as the book that you recommended. Thank you so much for joining Fire Nation. We salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, Tom. Okay, Fire Nation, are you inspired enough to start your entrepreneurial journey? I've created a free step-by-step video that will walk you through the process of buying your domain, installing WordPress, and creating your first post all in under seven minutes. Visit entrepreneuronfire.com blue to find out more and take your entrepreneurial leap today.
1: Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to Ignite!